welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. A good evening, indeed. You know, I'm not going to lie, it feels like it's been years since we last met. Because we've been on break for this past month. But let me tell you, that didn't stop me from keeping busy. We finally wrapped shooting on our documentary just a few weeks ago. And a huge thanks to David and our crew, Roxanne, Chris, Brian, and of course our trusty guide, Sean Campbell. Quite honestly, I can't wait to share this exploration with you all once we're finished. But, until then, all I have to offer is the season 12 premiere and the long-awaited, much-deserved medical worker special. Now, I've watched over these 18-plus months as these heroes battled in the trenches. I watched them on the evening news, battered, beaten, and exhausted, red-faced, tears streaming down their faces. But despite all that, they were still on their feet, still addressing the needs of others. Now, their appreciation is often overlooked, but tonight, we aim to change all that. At least, in this creepy little corner of the universe. So tonight's season 12 premiere, the much-requested Medical Workers Special, is dedicated to those frontline workers contributing big and small. So let's begin halfway around the world, in South Africa. And Taz, the answer to your first question is, yes, and you're kicking it off. Hi Derek, this is Taz from South Africa. So yeah, I was just wondering, I don't know, I've just been binging your show um, on podcast. I don't know if I've missed this, but um, I was wondering if you had a podcast for medical workers like nurses or paramedics or doctors. Um, But I've got a story to tell. I've always been intrigued by the paranormal, always wanted something to happen to me. But yeah, here goes. I was my first year of nursing student and... um, very excited, so I went straight from high school into the nursing college. We were in a nursing home for students that was attached to the one hospital that we were going to do our practicals at. Very excited to be there. I was just 19 or 18, starting off. And um, yeah, so we were all sitting around um, in the hostel, the nursing hostel that's attached to the hospital. Just meeting new friends, just sitting in the room chatting. And then I said, okay, guys, I'm just going to go for a shower quickly. I'll be right back. We didn't speak about any spooky stories or anything. We were just all excited to be there. And um, I went into the communal bathroom. There was no one in there. It didn't scare me that much. I mean, just the empty bathroom. Um, three toilet stalls, two basins, and then there was one little room with a shower um, where you can pull a curtain and you can use it as a shower or bath at the door. So I placed all my things down, got into the shower, pulled the curtain, started washing my hair and showering. And literally the next minute, in that hot water, I just got goosebumps all over my body. And I just instantly felt scared. It literally felt like if I was going to pull that curtain away, there was going to be someone standing there. I've never had that experience before in my life. And um, yeah, needless to say, I got the courage to pull the curtain away. There was no one there, but I still had shampoo in my hair. I was so scared and there was, there was like literally nothing there. And we didn't talk about scary stories or anything. So I don't know where it just literally, I was just standing there washing my hair, no weird thoughts, anything. And I just suddenly felt that something was there in the shower with me. 
And if I was going to pull the curtain away, it was going to be someone standing there. I um, ran out, just put a towel over my full shampooed hair, ran out to our friends that we were sharing a room with. And I was just like, please come and stay with me while I'm showering because this just happened and I actually can't be in there alone. It was the weirdest feeling. And yeah, so I was just wondering if you have any more stories about other paramedics or doctors or hospitals or nurses that work in a hospital that experience weird encounters. That would be really interesting. But I've been a nurse for 20 years and I've never experienced that, but I've heard a lot of other stories. So I don't know. That was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. I've always wanted something to happen to me, but after that day, that scared the living daylights out of me. Anyway, um, hope you can use this. I love your podcast. Thank you so much. It's a nice place for us to all share our experiences. It's awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Jared. Bye. Thank you, Taz. Boy, do we have a collection of medical worker stories. Tales of ghosts, mysterious happenings, and of course, brushes with whatever is on the other side. And as we venture through this evening's catalog, you may begin to notice a trend in many of these encounters. Encounters like Sean's. Hi, Derek. This is Sean calling you from Wisconsin. I know you just put out a call for hospital stories, and I want to uh, talk to you about a time in 2008. Uh, I'd just gotten a job working at uh, medical equipment distributors in a hospital in Wisconsin uh, that had been originally set up in the early 1900s as a tuberculosis ward by the Franciscan Sisters of Mercy. So it's a little Catholic hospital. The company I worked for had nothing to do with the hospital or its origins, but it was housed in the hospital because it was kind of an interesting job. It was it was easy, uh, and that's why I liked it. Basically, my job was to sit around in this office, and if the hospital needed a piece of equipment that this medical distributor company had, my job was to take it to the area of the hospital that needed it, and then when they were done with it, I'd go pick it up and come back and clean it and rest. On, a, on an average night, I maybe got five calls. So it was a lot of sitting around in office and reading books and listening to baseball games on the radio. The area that I was housed in was the old surgical suites. Uh, they were remodeling the hospital. They had just built brand new state-of-the-art surgical suites in a different section of the hospital. So the old surgical suites were waiting to be renovated. And that's where they put all the medical equipment. And I had to sit in this little office at the end of this 30-yard hallway with doors all along either side where the old surgical uh, suites were. And I'd been working there for a couple weeks, and the uh, chaplain, this, this great guy named Father John, stopped by to talk to me one night, just introduced himself, and he says, uh, have you seen any ghosts yet? And I told him I, I hadn't. And he said, there's no such thing as a hospital that's not haunted. Uh, he said, there's just too much too much psychic energy in these hospitals, too much grief, too much suffering, too much loss, too much death. Every hospital in America is somehow haunted. And I told him I would keep that in mind. And uh, I'd worked there for maybe two months before I first started noticing strange things. And it usually happened when I was sitting in the office, which it was a very small office. There was a desk. And then I sat in a chair that was adjacent to the door of the office. And the door was at a 90 degree angle to the rest of the hall. So basically out of the corner of my eye, I would see shadows. And when you turn to look, there'd be nothing there, but you know you saw something. You know that something crossed between the two surgical suites. That was when I first started realizing something was 
a little off about the surgical suite area. I never saw direct spirit, but it was always just shadows out of the corner of my eye. Then one night, I got a call for some equipment. I took it up, brought it back. I was cleaning it in one of the little surgical suite areas, and the door to the surgical suite started to slowly close. Now, there is no air in this area. It is a sectioned-off area of the hospital. The air conditioning systems were not on. It was probably fall, so it was not it was not hot or it was not cold enough to turn on the heat, and it was not hot enough for the air conditioning. So there is no air in this hallway, and the door started to close by itself. And I turned and I looked at it. And I'm watching the door close, and it is a cl- it is closing at a rate of maybe very very slowly, one inch every few seconds. And I just said out loud, I said, "You're going to have to do better than that if you're going to try to scare me." And the door stopped. And then it very slowly reversed course and opened all the way back up again. So I thought, okay, well, that's that's interesting. Jump forward to several months later, I'm getting towards the end of my time with this job. It just was, it was, you know, didn't pay well and it wasn't a great job, but it was something to do for a while. And I got called out to deliver equipment one night about 2.30 in the morning. And when I came back and I opened the door to this dimly lit hallway, At the far end of the hallway, I saw a woman in a very long black dress with this, like a nun's habit over the top of her head and this big, huge bow at her chin. And she turned and she walked down the hall and turned left at the office area. And there was nothing past that left turn. There was a little storage closet and that's it. There was no way to get out. And I run down to the end of the hall just to see if I can see what's there. And obviously there's nothing there. It was a 100% fully opaque, real as you and me standing there at the end of the hallway type figure. She existed. I could see her clearly. There was no question in my mind what I saw. It wasn't out of the corner of my eye. I locked eyes with this woman from, you know, 30 yards away. And then she just turned and disappeared down the hall. It was crazy. And, And I thought back to what Father John had told me about every hospital being haunted. And I finished out the end of my shift, uh, very wary to keep an eye on the hallway the rest of the night. And the next morning, I went and saw the Franciscan sister who served as the grief counselor for the hospital, uh, a woman by the name of Sister Mary. And Mary told me that, well, actually, she even showed showed it to me in a book about the Franciscan Sisters of Mercy. The old nuns' habits prior to probably World War II, I think, used to have these big bows under their chin and the nuns that founded the hospital wore these same type habits and you know as i said the hospital had been founded as a tuberculosis ward and all six of the original nuns who founded the ward all died of tuberculosis it was just kind of a weird weird moment it was one of those things where i i I know what i saw i can justify it I'm 100% certain it was an apparition of some kind, whether it was a physical ghost that interacted with the environment or just history replaying itself, I couldn't tell you, but it was definitely there. And then over the course of, of my time at the hospital, I spoke with enough nurses and doctors and other staff who worked at the hospital, especially the security guards, and they said they were constantly seeing things. In empty rooms, security guards especially, they would walk past empty rooms just on their rounds, and out of the corner of their eye, they would see a shape in the bed and then when they'd look back and and put two eyes on it the shape would be gone nurses would tell me that there's constantly sounds in empty hospital rooms where you could hear breathing you could hear crying you could hear gasping 
it was just, it's just creepy. Uh, and I've spoken, you know, my mother was an operating room nurse for 35 years. She knows enough nurses who have enough stories to fill 10 books. It's just one of those things. Hospitals are haunted and there's nothing we can do about it. Thanks for the show, Derek. I've been enjoying it for several years now. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Sean. I can tell you the first thing I did when I finished that story was hop on Google and see if I couldn't find a photo of a non-wearing. Just such a habit. And if you head over to the show notes, you'll see exactly what I found. A little spoiler alert. As Sean mentioned, many did wear the bow beneath the chin prior to the 1950s. And on that note, not growing up religious, let alone Catholic, the visual of the nun's habit is probably more frightening to me than comforting. Maybe it's my imagination, or maybe I can blame it on popular culture, but that outfit, in the wrong context, just gives me the creeps. And I suppose that also goes for their male counterparts, as May tells in the following entry. Hi, Derek. My name is May. I am calling from Parts Unknown. I am calling to let you know about a story. I have many stories, but this story is for your nurses episode. So many years ago in 2008, I was a brand new nurse. I had just graduated nursing school. I was working in a hospital in the city where I live that is notoriously haunted. It was at that time over 100 years old. It's even older now. So one night I was working, it was Christmas Eve night, and I had been sent to a small unit, an overflow unit basically, and there was five patients and there was me and one other nurse. I had taken two patients and she had taken three, and it's about midnight and she decides that she wants to go to lunch. And I said, that's no problem. So she leaves and she walks to the end of the hall where the break room was at the right side of the hall. It used to be an old patient room. They had converted to a break room. And I was sitting at the nurse's station at the other end of the hallway. And about five minutes after she leaves, I see this shadow walk down the hallway, like really fast. It went so fast. And I thought that was odd. And so I got up and I looked down the hallway. I don't see anybody. And so I go and I check all the patient rooms and I don't see anybody except the patient. And I didn't go into the break room because I knew she would be asleep. So there was a door across the hallway from that break room that was an alarmed door to a stairwell. So if somebody had gone through it, I would have heard the alarm because it was extremely loud. So I just kind of chalked it up to, well, you know, whatever, saw a shadow person. So I go back and I sit down at the nurse's station and I continued doing what I was doing. I was charting or doing something. About an hour later, she comes back and she goes, hey, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, what's up? And she goes, did you just walk down the hallway? And I said, nope, sure didn't. And at this point, I had not told her what I had seen because she had been in that break room for an hour. So she goes into the med room and then she turns around, she comes right back out and she goes, are you sure you didn't walk down the hallway? And I go, yeah, I'm positive. And she goes, okay, well, all right. So she goes to the med room, she gets whatever she has to do, get, and she comes back out and she says, all right, well, I saw something weird then. And I said, okay, well, what happened? And she said, well, when I got back from my break, I went into one of my patient's room because I saw that their room light was on and they were asking for pain meds. So I had the computer on wheels, we call them cows, 
So I had the cow in the doorway and I was facing the hallway and I saw somebody walk down the hallway like really fast. And so I went out and I looked and there was nobody there. That's when she came up to the nurse's station and asked me if I had walked down the hallway and I said no. So I proceeded to tell her what I had seen, that when I was sitting at the nurse's station, I had seen somebody walk down the hallway. I wouldn't say it was a, a per, it was an F-formous blob in the shape of a person, so I just called it a shadow person. And she said, well, we're sticking together tonight. She said, we're not going to go anywhere separate. I was like, okay, I mean, if that makes you feel better. I never felt any malevolence or any other kind of things from there. I always felt like it was just a kind of a neutral thing. So, I don't know, maybe a couple months later, I was talking to one of the CNAs who worked there, and she said, well, I had an experience down that hallway, too. And I said, oh, really? Well, tell me about it. And she said, I was sitting at that nurse's station, and I watched a priest. We both worked night shifts. I watched a priest walk down the hallway, and I looked down the hallway, and he was gone. So I got up to see where he had gone, because it's very unusual at night to see a priest walking through the hallways. They don't usually come unless we're doing—it was a Catholic hospital— unless they're doing last rites. And as far as she knows, there was nobody that was passing away at that night. So she got up to kind of see where he was going. And she found him in a room kneeling next to a bed with a book and he was praying. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I I didn't mean to bother you. And so she walked away. He never acknowledged her. But she said that he was as solid as you or I. Like he was a completely solid person. So she goes back to the nurse's station. And now, remember, there's only one other exit from this hallway where there's an alarmed door at the end of the hallway. So she never sees him come back. And so she says to one of the other nurses, hey, did you see that priest? And the nurse says, what priest? And the CNA is like, well, the priest that walked down the hallway. And the nurse says, Lindsay, the priests don't come at night. And she's like, no, I saw him walk down the hallway. Well, they go and look and he's not there. And the CNA had been sitting at that desk all night, so there was no way that she was going to miss him walking down the hallway. So a lot of stuff like that, you know, people had seen shadow people. I mean, this hospital was notoriously haunted. It's still notoriously haunted. Uh, People would hear their names called. There was a tunnel that ran underneath the building from the building to the parking lot. And there was people that would hear their names called in that tunnel when nobody was around, things like that. Anyways, thanks for letting me share my story. I really appreciate what you do, and I love the show, and have a good day. Thanks, May. Perhaps I'm alone in sharing this little phobia, but both sightings would have left me feeling quite uneasy. Then again, hospitals or anything medical gives me the heebie-jeebies. You could say I have a pretty bad case of white coat syndrome. Anyhow... I digress. You know, it's not only the ghosts of the clergy that you have to watch out for while visiting your local infirmary. Sometimes the guests are ghostly, too. Annalise in Texas. Let's hear your experience. Hi, Derek, and hi, Monsters Among Us listeners. My name is Annalise, and I am calling for your medical workers episode that you're putting together right now. My experience actually happened earlier this year, and to give you a little bit of background, I am a nurse, and this happened in the hospitals that I work at. I live in North Texas. I was on shift one night. I work night shift, 
and this was probably around three or four in the morning. And this was still whenever we had COVID restrictions at our hospital, as far as how many guests are allowed to be with the patient at night or in the building at all. And we also had a bunch of travel nurses that were working at our hospital at that time as well. So this night we were really busy. Our staffing wasn't always that great. And I don't think we were allowing patients to have a visitor at all. Or if we did, it was like limited hours, like eight in the morning to like seven at night. So really nobody was supposed to be staying overnight with the patient. So we were busy. I was running through my shift, doing all the things that I usually do. And I was walking down the, okay. So the way that our unit is set up is in like a rectangle formation. We've got two nurses stations, one on the north end and one on the south end. So I was walking down the shorter hallway on the north end and passing the room that's in the corner. And the lights are dimmed. One thing you need to know is that we have bed alarms on almost all of our patients. And when it's set right, the light at the bottom of the bed glows green. So we keep a lot of our high fall risk patients' doors open so that we can check on them by walking by and, and checking that that light is green and the bed alarm's on and, you know, checking on our patients and stuff. So I was passing this room, the bed alarm light was green, and that means that there is a patient in the bed and that if they get out of the bed, it will alarm really loudly at the nurse's desk and in the hallway and it's just and in the room and it's really loud. So we all know when someone's out of bed and we can run and go, you know, make sure the patient doesn't fall. So that light was glowing green and we have recliners in each room so that, you know, a family member can stay, you know, whenever things are normal. So I was passing by and I just looked in the room, saw that the bed alarms on was green and I saw someone sitting in the reclining chair. Um, it was close to the window, so it was like directly across from the open doorway. And I just glanced over there. The room was dark, so there was like a little nightlight on and that green glowing bed alarm light. So I couldn't see like really who it was. It was just like a dark shadow, like shape of a person. So I kept walking around that corner and I didn't really even think anything of it. And then I was like, oh, that was weird. We're not supposed to have visitors. And then it dawned on me like, oh, that wasn't even a person, I don't think. I think that was a shadow person or a spirit or something. So <laughs> I went to the nurse's desk and I asked the nurse who was assigned to that room, hey, does your patient in this room have a visitor? And she was like, no, they had a visitor earlier during the, you know, when we first got on shift, but they left when visiting hours were over. So I was like, okay, well, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but... I think I just saw a ghost in that room. And they were like, what, what? And I was like, yeah. So we all, <laughs> we walked back around there and looked into the room and there was no one in the chair. But whenever I walked by two minutes before that, there was someone or something in that chair. And I never really feel creeped out at work. I mean, it's a hospital, so death happens, unfortunately. And I've never felt creeped out in that room then or in any of the years that I've worked at this hospital. So, and I wasn't thinking about anything paranormal. I was just thinking about regular nursing stuff in a rush, walking by a patient's room, checked in there to make sure they were still in the bed. Bed alarm light is on, so I know they're still in there safe. 
and I saw someone or something sitting in that chair. And it's never happened again. I actually don't work on that floor anymore. It doesn't have anything to do with that experience or anything. I just transferred to a different department. But I had never experienced anything paranormal at work before, and I haven't had anything else happen afterwards but except for that and it just was really creepy and weird I mean after I noticed that and I went about the rest of my shift and got busy again and forgot about it but um yeah that's my story so thank you guys for listening and thank you Derek if you play this and also thank you for doing this episode because man COVID has hit though everyone actually hard but those in the medical field really it's really difficult and we appreciate the support and the love so much you guys stay safe out there stay healthy and Derek thank you for a wonderful podcast that helps get our minds off of COVID and everything else that's going on right now so thank you and I'll call back again with some other experiences I've had that aren't related to my hospital work okay thanks bye thank you Annalise you know my big ghostly encounter too occurred while passing an open doorway and I can say it's a frustrating way to experience something like this because you can never be 100% certain about what it is you saw the limited view and catching what you did out of your peripheral vision is enough to make anyone question what they're convinced they thought they saw or at least that's how I feel about it thanks again Annalise Now I have one more true tale that just might be long with these others. And this one is from Kelly, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Hi Derek, I just wanted to submit for the hospital workers finale that you were asking about. I work in a fairly large hospital up in the Pacific Northwest. I will refrain from giving the name of the hospital this time, but I work on a floor, actually there's three floors that we have dedicated to the care of these of these babies that we take care of anywhere from ICU, intensive care needs down to the ones who are just getting ready to go home. So a couple of these stories actually take place on our step-down units and our old unit, when it was, it was remodeled and turned into our step-down unit, it had been formerly a critical care unit for uh, maybe cardiac patients, that kind of thing in the past. So there's some history behind that, this space that we're now using. And most of the events seem to happen at night. So at least that's when they're noticed. We had one room in particular that we used to have patients in and in fact um, families could spend the night in the room with the babies and this one in particular um, had a mom staying the night and in the morning she, she said to the nurses I believe this room is haunted and she didn't say too much in particular but did say that the rocking chair started rocking on its own in the middle of the night which on another occasion was corroborated by a housekeeping staff who 
was cleaning up the room or was sent to clean up the room after a discharge had happened. And she comes to find the charge nurse and says, the room is occupied. And she said, what do you mean? She says, there's a patient sitting in the chair rocking. And so they went into the room and the patient was no longer visible, but the chair was actively rocking back and forth as if someone was still sitting in it. On another occasion, we had stopped using that room as a patient care room and it became sort of an overflow room or equipment room of sorts. And sometimes the night staff would take naps in that room on their breaks so they could just be refreshed for the rest of their shift. So they might be in there for half hour or so at a time. And this one nurse woke up to see in front of her the room transformed into a room from another era. <laughs> and they were in fact cracking a man's chest open, doing cardiac massage. They were trying to shock the person's heart back into rhythm again. And she was so freaked out that she ran out of the room. And of course, you come back in and it's the same equipment room that it had been. So that was weird. And on our other unit upstairs, we're like one floor up, we have another step down unit. We don't use it as frequently. It's more of an overflow, but I was getting a report from one of the nurses on night shift. And I said, how was your night? And she says, well, it would have been okay, except for the uh, ghost nurse that was on our unit. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. She said, to give you a background, we have, um, there's several rooms and we call them pods. And so in these pods, there are four beds per pod and it's quite a spacious room, but between each pod, there is a doorway. So you can check on the babies next door if your nurse has to leave the room for any reason and vice versa. I mean, it's, it's so you can hear if a baby is crying in the next room and you can go over there while still hearing your other room with this doorway. So I heard a baby crying in the one room and and both this nurse and another one saw what looked to be a nurse with a cap on, an old-fashioned cap, walking towards the baby through the pod. So they saw her crossing past the doorway, even though they didn't believe anyone to be in the room at the time. So they went in there because our unit is a locked unit and strangers just can't come in the unit without having a special badge. And so, you know, especially on night shift, you know, everyone coming and going, you're usually environmental services people, you know, like people who are, you know, the housekeeping staff and that kind of thing. Usually you don't have anybody <laughs> that you don't know. So it was unusual to see a strange person walking across the room. So they went in and there was nobody there, but they had seen it go to the baby's bedside. They had seen this nurse walk over there so that gave them the creeps because they both witnessed it. And <laughs> I don't know that she consoled the baby, but maybe that was her intention. And I suppose not all ghosts are bad. She's probably still stuck working <laughs> even in her death. Maybe that was her, her life and that's how she chose to spend her death as well. But that was interesting. So anyway, I hope that helps and looking forward to another season of Monsters Among Us. Thank you so much for doing what you do. What did that nurse want with that baby? Thank you, Kelly. That's spooky stuff. I wonder if the parent of the baby the spirit visited ever found out about the encounter. If you were the parent, would you want to know? 
Now, if you, like Kelly, and the rest of our callers have a true paranormal experience you'd like to share on the hotline, simply give it a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com for more submission options. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back to school time, and we want to make sure that you pack the essentials you have for the best year yet. That includes the Manscaped 4th Generation Performance Package. It's the perfect package for your package. It includes a brand new lawnmower 4.0. These things just keep getting better and better. Now join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by heading to manscaped.com with the code MONSTERS. Now school is back, and the Performance Package 4.0 is here to teach the boys a lesson on male hygiene. Inside you'll find the new Lawmower 4.0 trimmer, which features advanced skin-safe technology, a 4K LED spotlight, and the whole thing's waterproof. It's truly the best when it comes to men's trimmers. Also included is the Weed Whacker, the perfect tool to eliminate ear and nose hair, as well as some of Manscaped's awesome liquid formulations, Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, both of which will get you ready for class during the day and ready to party at night. Now, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0, the Shed Travel Bag to hold all your goodies and a pair of super soft Manscaped boxers. So stay fresh this school year, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MONSTERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code MONSTERS at manscaped.com. As always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening, and back to the spooky stuff. Now thus far, it would seem that only nurses experience odd happenings while working in the medical field. But we would be doing quite the disservice to ignore our next experience-rich group of workers. Security guards. And here to kick off a trio of experiences is an entry from Jay in the state of Michigan. My name is Jay. Uh, This story takes place in Doctor's Hospital in Jackson, Michigan, around 2002. The hospital had just closed and I was working security, night shift. There was nobody there. Place was empty. And we had to walk the floors. No big deal. Problem was that in every room, at least somebody had passed away. So here comes the weird stuff. There was this one room, and I can't remember the room number, but uh, every time you passed by it, there was nothing in there. There wasn't a bed. There wasn't a lick of furniture, and you would hear breathing. It was it was crazy. And then the one thing that I really remember is I was walking the second floor past the nurse's station. Everything had been cleaned out. And as I was walking past it, I heard this huge sound of grinding metal, like a ship running into like something. And it just, it just grind. And it was loud, and I couldn't find the source of it. And I went down, and I talked to the other guards, and nobody heard it. I was the only person that heard it. So uh, that's my uh, crazy story from a hospital, and uh, I hope you guys have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Now, you know, I wonder if some large intake fan suddenly lurched to life in the wind on the roof above where Jay was standing. You know, if he was near the proper ventilation... That could explain why only he heard the sounds. 
perhaps this entry from Dylan in Kentucky is less explainable. Welcome back to the program, sir. Hi, this is Dylan from Kentucky. Wanted to share a story with you guys about where I work at. Uh, I work in a hospital for security, and I just started this position about four months ago, and the guys were showing me around the hospital, and there's an area what they call pre-op. It's uh, before surgery, and usually there's nobody there on night shift, and I normally work night shift. And they were showing us around one night, the first couple of nights that first started working. And we was looking around the area. I was trying to get familiar with the floor plan and everything like that. Well, we started walking up into the rooms and things and checking the rooms out to make sure nobody's up there. It's not supposed to be in there. Well, I passed by one room and noticed that one of the TVs was on. So I walked in there and I turned the TV off and I walked back out thinking nothing of it. And the TV turns back on. I'm like, okay, that's weird. So I walk back into the room and turn the TV off again. Walk back out, it comes on again. Well, the other guy was like, that happens all the time. Don't worry about it. You know, it's just something strange that happens. Don't worry about it. Let's just go on. So I was okay. So we started walking down the hall. We get to the nurse's station and we noticed that one of the blood pressure monitors were going off and it's showing signs of real high blood pressure. Um, so we thought, well, maybe it's a computer malfunction. So we go over to check to see what room it was. It was the room that the TV was coming on and off. We turned the monitor off, walked around the desk, started walking up toward the hallway, and a cup that was sitting on the counter at the desk flew off and landed into the floor. It was like, okay, that's really weird. So we put it back up on the counter and walked off. We walked down the other hall to another room where there's a bunch of stuff in storage to check it out. There was a patient's tray in the middle of the hallway up against the wall. So we moved the table just a little bit closer to the wall so we didn't want someone to bump into it or anything. We walked back in the room and was checking the room out. When we walked back out, we noticed that the patient's tray was sitting outside in the middle of the hall. It was really weird. So we got out of there. We just kind of terrified. We didn't mess with it the rest of the night. So, and then after I got down in the office, uh, the guys was telling me that there's times that they'd be sitting in the parking lot and they would look up in that area and I'd see somebody staring outside the window of that second floor pre-op area. So they'd go up there and check. Nobody'd be up there. They'd go back down and look back up and there'd be somebody staring out the window at them again. And they would do that through the night and there'd be nobody up there. And there's just strange feelings when you go into that floor in that certain section of the hospital. You feel like somebody's watching you. Just a really weird area and uh, just really strange. But I wanted to share that. I hope that kind of scares somebody in a way, terrified somebody in a way, or just maybe shine a light on the various stuff that's out there that I can't explain. So I hope everybody enjoys. Take care. I don't know, Dylan. If your story didn't spook them, I don't know what will. Perhaps Bob's tale from Pennsylvania. Hey, Derek, this is Bob. I'm calling out of Pennsylvania. Giving a call in, I think you had mentioned you wanted some stories about medical workers or hospital workers and had one that's been sitting with me for a while. I'm thinking about calling it in, so here we go. Um, about, I would say, 2011, I was working at a hospital 
as a security guard. So I myself wasn't a medical worker, but I was working security within the hospital. It was in the inner city. So a lot of my duty, not only in guarding the doors, gates, main entrances, things that was for just watching over any patients that had come in that were gang affiliated, whether they were risk of leaving the hospital, uh, escaping their uh, medical situation and or anyone else coming in to potentially finish the job. Dealt with a lot of gunshot wounds, uh, stabbing, things like that. Well, back in 2011, I was dealing with a, a young man who was a part of a gang and uh, he was actually in for, I believe it was some type of cancer or some type of issue as part of a, I think it was a Latin gang or something along those lines. He was nearing the end of his life, young guy, maybe 17, 18 years old, tattoos, deal. And uh, I was there in the room, uh, you know, give security if he was gang affiliated and his whole family was in, in there in the room. Uh, the thing I remember was either around his bed his mother, his father, probably his grandmother, some other folks as well, constantly praying for him, saying, you know, you have to repent, we have to, uh, you know, say you're sorry, you have to repent, you have to give yourself back up to the Lord, um, have to say sorry. Uh, this kid, 16, 17, 17 years old, whatever it was on his deathbed, did not want to hear it at all. Started, you know, cursing, saying, you know, F this, F that. You know, you know, God doesn't care about me, this, that, and the other. This goes on for, for quite some time, probably a few hours. It gets weaker and weaker. He slips in and out of consciousness. Families continue to sit around his bed. He's slipping in and out of consciousness. All of a sudden, get this kind of weird feeling within the room where it's almost as if, you know, if you're on a, a, a boat, and you know how when you're on a boat, then you get off the boat onto the dock, and it's, you know, solid land, you almost feel as if the ground's moving around you. So I get this really strange feeling. I'm sitting there feeling a little creeped out, and I'm, I'm watching this, you know, his family and this kid. He opens up his eyes and kind of looks past the family into the corner of the room. You know, I'll tell you, I'll never forget the look in this kid's eyes, and he just is absolutely terrified as if he's seen something past his family and just looking past them and says, oh, shit. and unfortunately passed away in that moment. So I don't know what was there in that room. I don't know what was going on, but he saw something that I didn't see. I something that I didn't know what was going on. His family, you know, starts kind of going crazy because they're praying for him and trying to get him to repent. He doesn't. He says that, and we're all freaked out. So that that one stuck with me for a long time, and uh, you know, I never quite knew what to make of it. So yeah, that's my story. Love your show. Keep up the good work, and uh, wish you all the best. Take care. You know, it's stories like that that'll keep you up at night. But there's really no real way to know what that young man saw right before his death. Well, I suppose there's one way, but there's absolutely no coming back from that. Now, a big thank you to the security guards sending in those entries. Now, before we move on to our next medical message, a quick reminder that you can pick up Monsters Among Us merchandise over at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. We have hats, shirts, autographed posters, decals, and a whole lot more. And we process all of our merchandise here in-house. 
So unlike shows that use those t-shirt companies, your purchase here actually goes directly to the show, which allows us to continue the spookiness. So once again, that's Monsters Among Us podcast forward slash shop. Now next up, we hear a gruesome but strange entry from Natalie in the state of South Carolina. Hey Derek, my name is Natalie. I've been listening to the show. I really love it. I've always loved paranormal stuff. It's always been really interesting to me. I have a hospital story for you. I know you were looking for those. Um, I'm a nurse, and my first job was in a small community hospital in Lancaster, South Carolina. And I worked in a small critical care unit. It was only 10 beds. And we had a patient who I don't remember exactly what was wrong with him, but he was very sick, um, and we needed to transfer him to a bigger hospital, higher level of care. So uh, we took care of him until uh, the helicopter could get there and take him to the other hospital. And we gave report to the nurses uh, at the other hospital and asked them to let us know once they got things settled how he was doing. We would like to know how he was doing once he got there. So uh, we got him on the helicopter and we were all sitting at the nurse's station catching up on charting. and there's a call light that sits on the nurse's station um, and the call light went off and it was from the room we had transferred this man from. The call light was going off. Uh, The room had already been cleaned uh, by housekeeping. So everything was turned off, uh, cleaned everything. You know, the room was closed up, ready for another patient. And so we thought it was strange that the call light was going off. So me and another nurse, we went down there uh, and The lights were still off in the room, but every IV pump was beeping. The monitor had been turned on, and it was beeping. The call light had been triggered, so it was beeping. Everything in the room was beeping. And I worked a night shift, and it was in the 3 o'clock hour. And I know you hear a lot of things about the 3 o'clock hour being more open to things like that happening. Um, So we just turned everything off and thought it was really weird, Uh, a little creepy feeling. And so we went back to the desk, and within the next 20 minutes, we received a phone call from the hospital where we had transferred the man, and he had just died. So he had died around the same time that all of those uh, IV pumps and the call light and everything went off. Um, So it was just kind of an eerie feeling, and, you know, I've heard other nurses tell stories of things like that happening when somebody dies, but that's the only one I've ever experienced. So... Just wanted to share that with you. Love the show, uh, and I'll be listening. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you, Natalie. You know, it's almost as if that man's energy remained in that room despite the fact that his body was flown miles away. It makes you wonder how often that sort of thing actually happens and how long that energy remains in that space, or if it's energy at all. But like I said earlier in the broadcast, there were a lot of similar reports submitted. And as you're about to hear, the following entry from Grace in North Carolina is no exception. Hi, Derek. This is Grace. I am calling from Northwest North Carolina. 
I would be more specific, but I'm calling for the hospital episode. I am a nurse in a very rural part of very western North Carolina. We border on Tennessee on one side and Virginia on another. I am an emergency department nurse at a critical access hospital in this location. This story took place about a year ago. I'm a night shift nurse. It was crazy because we had a very traumatic event the day of. So I came in at 7 p.m. and heard all about this thing that had happened earlier in the day that was absolutely horrific. There is a a long-term care facility next door to the hospital and somebody had done what we tell them not to do and they lit a cigarette while their oxygen was on and it did exactly what we tell people it might do though it very rarely actually results in this but it did explode and he did suffer from extreme fourth degree burns and it was not good it was a very bad situation and again we're a critical access hospital our job is to stabilize and ship we can only do so much we only have so many resources the better situation would have been for this man to have immediately passed away but that is not what happened they worked on him for hours it took all the staff in the hospital basically that that's an exaggeration but it definitely did take up the entirety of the er staff on day shift to take care of this person and they got him shipped and in a helicopter to the big city hospital and he died on the way there now that's pretty bad enough but that night as i was working i noticed that the monitors were just freaking out and i was like what is going on and i looked at them and in room one which is our trauma room we only have two but in this one room one it was where this had happened and it kept going from VTAC, which is a heart rhythm that is very scary. We don't like it when people are in VTAC to asystole to just gone. So asystole is you don't have a heartbeat anymore. There is no rhythm. And I discharge it out because there's no one in this room, right? It's not being utilized. We don't use our trauma rooms very often. So it's completely empty, but the monitor is repeating the sequence of events which has never happened before. We have people in there, it doesn't repeat the sequence of events. So I discharge it out and it keeps happening and it happens all night long, over and over and over again, repeating the sequence of events, just like you've got a normal heart rhythm and then you've got VTAC and then you've got asystole and then it goes back to VTAC. And I actually got this on video and everyone I worked with was very freaked out and it didn't happen again. It only happened that one night after that traumatic event had occurred, and I consider that my ghost story. There are plenty of ghost stories in hospitals. It doesn't matter how religious anybody is. They all believe in ghosts because you see them so very often. But that was the only time I'd seen a monitor do that, and it happened to just do what one would think it would do in the situation of a severe burn victim. So that's my story. I hope you can use it. Thank you, and good night. Thanks, Grace. Now this one, too, sounds like some sort of activity from the dying man was preserved in that very room. You know, maybe this is how we get those infamously haunted hospital rooms. You know the rooms. You know, the room staff refuse to go into alone. Rooms they take out of service and convert to storage. Rooms like this one. 
Hey there, I'm calling about healthcare worker ghost story. My wife works at a uh, one of the biggest regional hospitals in our state. It's actually the biggest in our state. I don't want to say which one. And she has worked a couple of jobs there. She works as a nurse, but she started in what's called the patient tower, where we're generally admitted patients go to stay. She was on a trauma ward where individuals who were in car accidents or shootings or things like that would go. But there was a room which happened to be in the corner of the of the floor, and all of the patients would always complain, and they would use the nurse call light and call the nurse in, and when she would come in, they would say, hey, there's, I keep hearing these kids running around. Can you tell whoever they are to stop? So I, I can't sleep. So that's when she would say, there's no kids. So she thought that was unusual, and she actually went to go work at a different floor, and on, in the same corner of the hospital, but on a completely different floor, they have the same problem. So I thought that was really unusual. But then she transferred to a different floor altogether to a completely different department. She transferred to labor and delivery to work as a surgical technician. And when she was working there, part of her job was to stock up the surgical room with supplies. And so she had to go through all the cabinets and make sure all the equipment was needed was there. And so she one day was in there, and she's alone, and you have to go through a bunch of secure doors um, to go in, and there's no windows, and so you can feel pretty closed off. Uh, and she had been doing it for months at this point, and she was in there alone, uh, night shift, around 2 or 3 a.m., and she went to open a cabinet, and it would not open. She just couldn't get it to open it, so she thought, well, maybe, maybe the lock's broken. So she goes to leave to go get help, and all of a sudden the cabinet door flings open and all the stuff inside of it just was scattered around the room. And so she freaked out and she panicked and she goes out to tell her coworkers about what happened. And they said, oh, were you in OR3? And she said, yeah, of course. And they said, yeah, that operating room's haunted. And we've all had something similar like that happen where we just can't get the cabinet open or maybe we go in and all the cabinets are open and everything's strung about the room. None of them have any idea why it would be, but you can probably guess. And so that's the story of my wife's experience while working at the hospital. Thank you, caller. Now, like Kelly's story earlier in the broadcast, these unused rooms seem to be a common occurrence in hospitals across the country. And I can't help but wonder what the official reasoning is for taking a hospital room out of commission. I can't imagine officials cop up to the claim of ghosts and spirits. But perhaps they do. You know, all that said, I, for one, am happy that they do close those rooms. As much as I enjoy the paranormal and long for more experiences, having them while I'm in need of a hospital bed is far from ideal. Thanks again, callers. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Does it seem like there's a block between you and your happiness? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, I've been there. Which is why I know how important it is to start prioritizing your mental health today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. 
You can connect in a convenient, safe online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. And with BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor anytime. And rest easy knowing anything you share is completely confidential. Now, BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and there's a lot more. The service is available worldwide and at a more affordable price than any traditional offline counseling. And of course, financial aid is available for those that need it. Now, I want you to start living a happier life. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, I can get you 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash monsters among us. Now you know it, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening and back to the creepiness. Now our next medical mystery comes to us from Lisa. So, Lisa, let's hear what you've got. Hi, Derek. This is Lisa calling from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I'm also a Patreon supporter. Love the show. I have two healthcare worker stories for you. The first one is secondhand. was told to me by a colleague of mine uh, when I first started my nursing career about 15 years ago. So my friend Julia was working in a medical surgical unit with uh, medically fragile patients at the time. She was a fairly new nurse at the time, so this story probably actually occurred about 30 plus years ago. And at the time, she was giving a bed bath to a female patient who had had a cardiac arrest and had to be coded or had to be revived via CPR and shocking of the heart a few days prior. And as she was giving her a bed bath, the patient was recounting to her the fact that she was able to see all of the events that took place during her code from a a perspective of above the event that was happening. Um, And so essentially like an out-of-body experience. And the patient kept saying, I was floating above everyone and, you know, kept talking about the details that she saw. And so my friend continued the bed bath. And she moved the patient over to a chair and turned her back for a few minutes to continue changing the linens on the bed. And as she did that, the patient grew silent. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, before she finished changing the linens on the bed, she heard the patient say, Julia, I'm floating again. And when she turned around, the patient had stopped breathing, no pulse, nothing. So she called the code and um, they were unable to revive her. So my friend always thought that that voice was an out-of-body voice. It was not the actual patient talking to her. The second story that I have for you is one of my own. I did my first seven years of nursing career in a neonatal intensive care unit in South Texas at a children's hospital. And at the time, it was around Christmas time, probably about 2007. I was working night shift and uh, we unfortunately had two children in the pod that I was working in one that I was taking care of and the other that my colleague was taking care of that we were doing end-of-life care for. So the parents were knowingly removing life support. And the family had been in and out of the room all night long and praying with the child and preparing to remove life support. 
and they had walked all of the extended family members out of that area, and the father was going to come back and hold the child while we removed care. I was caring for my child, changing her diaper and things of that nature, and I noticed all of a sudden that a man was standing over the other child's bed with his head bowed and hands in front of him, almost as in prayer. And I was so wrapped up in the tasks I was doing for my child that I had not noticed him walk into the room. And I thought for a second, that's strange. He would have had to move a lot of chairs, a lot of equipment to get on that side of the bed, and I would have heard something. When I looked back up, he was gone. It was not any of the other family members that I had seen before. And I am a religious person and have always thought that I had the privilege to see a guardian angel that night. Anyway, love the show. I hope you can use these for your healthcare workers section. And I'll be calling back with more experiences soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Lisa. You know, there's something unsettling about certain last words. Julie, I'm floating again. Well, that sits right up there near the top. But for scares and giggles, let's share a few more unsettling final words. According to thoughtcatalog.com, my grandfather on his deathbed said, they have no eyes, and it still gives me the chills. Surgeon here, Not sure if this is creepy, but a man on his deathbed kept repeating, the body is in the woods next to the oak tree, over and over until he passed. The police were notified, and they did search some woods behind a man's house, but never found anything. I'm a lab person, and I had to go to the ER to draw blood from a code stroke patient that just came in, because the EMTs couldn't get it. I got there, it was just me and him before he went to CT, and he looked at me, And he said, Am I dead? I'm in hell. He died a couple hours later. Poor old man. And finally, a nice old lady told my CNA that she wanted to wear all white. When I asked why, she said, The man in black is here. And then she looked in the corner of the room. The CNA looked, but there was no one there. That's when I came into the room. We asked her to describe what she was seeing, and she said, He's all black. He's got a top hat on. Then she whispered, And his eyes are red. Her eyes moved across the room to directly behind the CNA, like she was watching him move closer to us. She died later that night. But it was unexpected, and that room creeped me out for a very long time after that. And of course, one of my favorite sets of last words comes from Edgar Allan Poe. As he lay dying in a Baltimore medical college, he yelled out, Lord help my poor soul. I suppose that's how you exit a world. Thanks again, Lisa, for sharing the entries. Now before we crack into this final story, which, by the way, like Lisa's, is a two-for-one, let me tell you about our latest Patreon episode. Just last week, I sat down with True Blood and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend star and host of Bigfoot Collectors Club, Michael McMillan, to discuss all sorts of crazy stories from past episodes. We touched on everything from Glimmer Man to Max breastfeeding Bigfoot. And Michael even shared a story about possibly seeing a gray alien outside of his Los Angeles apartment. So visit patreon.com, search for Monsters Among Us, and join today. A $4 monthly pledge gives you access to that episode and some 50 more. And a huge thanks to Michael for taking the time to hang out. As you will hear, 
We had a great time. All right. Here it is, folks. Our final story for tonight's Medical Worker Special. And I saved a good one for last. So please join me in welcoming Dina from Oklahoma to tonight's program. Hi, Derek. I have medical stories to give you. I recently got back from vacation. I'm just getting caught up. And I heard you say last week that you were looking for stories from healthcare providers. I hope I'm not too late to get in on that because I actually have two really good stories for you. I've been wanting to call in for a while, but just haven't done it. My name is Dina. I live in rural Oklahoma, and I have worked in medicine now going on my 20th year. The two stories take place at different hospitals, um, but both small-town rural hospitals. The first story takes place my first year as a nurse. I was working night shift, getting my feet wet, and we had a patient, an elderly gentleman who was very feeble. He was in poor health. His wife was his caretaker, and she had recently passed away, and I pretty well knew that he would probably pass away in the coming days. He was comfort measures only, which means we were just keeping him comfortable and letting time take its course. One night, I was just coming on shift, going in there to check on him and realized that in his room, it smelled like vanilla. Not like a vanilla candle or vanilla lotion, but like a bottle of vanilla that you use to cook with. I thought that was very odd. Um, Obviously, we smell a lot of things in hospitals, and vanilla is not usually it. I had the TV on in his room. It was turned on the news just for some background noise. This gentleman was basically incoherent, but I would talk to him. There was a chair sitting at the head of his bed, and I noticed that there was the imprint of somebody sitting in the chair. There was a perfect butt print in that chair, and every room had the same chair. And so I went to some of the other rooms to see if maybe it could be the leather stretched out, something like that, and there was nothing. They were completely flat. This is the only chair that had a butt print. And later as the night went on, I noticed that it began to smell like coffee in his room not in the hallway, in his room. Later that evening, um, the patient actually passed away. It was very peaceful. And the next morning when the day shift staff showed up, one of the nurse aides was actually the grandson of the patient who passed away. And he came and asked me if it was peaceful when his grandpa passed. And I told him it was. And I said, tell me about your grandma and grandpa. He told me that his grandma every morning would sit in a chair at the head of his grandpa's bed, drink her coffee while watching the news. He also told me that his grandma loved to bake and that their house always smelled like vanilla because she baked with the pure vanilla and it always smelled so good. I immediately got goosebumps and I told the the kiddo, I said, I don't know what your religious beliefs are. I said that. I think your grandma came and got your grandpa during the night. Um, he just burst into tears and gave me a hug and thanked me, and that did give him a lot of peace. Now, normally I wouldn't pause in the middle of a story, but the two stories that Dina share could not be any more different. So real quick, I wanted to address that despite the sadness, despair, and fear that seems to be the running theme of most of these encounters, it's nice to hear a little of the opposite for once. 
and having just lost both of my grandparents in the last seven years or so, I take a little bit of comfort knowing that they might be still pestering one another, worlds away. Then, of course, there's this half of Dina's entry that takes all those warm and fuzzy feelings away, almost instantly. At the same time, we had another patient on the floor who was not doing well. She'd been sick for a very long time. We'd been taking care of her. That night, when the nurse came on staff, she walked into the patient's room, and the patient sat up, looked at the nurse, and said, it smells like vanilla in here. And she actually passed away just a few hours later. So we believed that that you know, same older lady may have came in escorted this other lady to the other side also. My next story is actually quite a bit creepier. This takes place several years after this first story. I was working in a small rural hospital. The time was probably seven or eight in the evening, but it was winter time, so it was completely dark outside. The way these rooms were set up is um, you walk into the room, there's a bathroom to the right, and then a sink, and then the room opens up, and that's where the hospital bed is. So when you're looking from the door, you can see the patient, but they can't necessarily see you because their bed faces the other way. We had a patient with a lot of mental illness, so for his safety, he was actually in restraint. Um, He had pneumonia, so that's why he was in the hospital. When I walked into the room, that first part of my shift, he is chanting, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, which just gives me the absolute creep. So I stepped in, I will call him John. I said, John, my name is Dina, and I'm going to be your nurse tonight. This gentleman proceeded to do a complete backbend off the bed, I guess you would say. Again, he was restrained to the bed, but he lifted his midsection off the bed enough that he could wrench his neck around to the side and look at me standing in the doorway. And he said, how do you Sadducees know my name? And it was a completely different voice than the voice that he was initially chanting in. It made every hair on my body stand up. It made me feel sick to my stomach. I turned around, hightailed it out of there. I went and found one of the nurses that worked with me, and I told him I will not go back in that room by myself. So for the remainder of that shift, I made somebody go with me every time I went in that room, and then I did not take care of him for another shift. There was just something about him that just made every cell in my body shudder, and I just couldn't do it. Well, Derek, I hope you can use these stories I really enjoy listening. My whole family listens. My son and my husband love your show. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dina, for sharing. So like apparitions of nurses and strange last words, this is another phenomenon I expected to hear a little about on tonight's special episode. Possession. Now, despite your beliefs on the subject... Anyone acting the way many quote-unquote possessed people are reported to behave would surely end up in medical care at some point. At least one would hope. Well, after some digging, it turns out my assumption was fairly correct. There's no shortage of stories of quote-unquote possessed folk 
in hospital situations. And here's one unbelievable experience by a nurse on a Travel Channel program called Haunted Hospitals. Now, for context, the woman in the chair speaks to the nurse in a dramatic and, dare I say, demonic voice at one point, even threatening her life. I was methodically going from room to room, administering medications to our patients for the evening. And I came to this particular patient who we had admitted the night prior. So I had never seen this patient before in my life. I had no idea who they were. They were brand new to me. Immediately when I came into the room, it felt heavy and thick. Something changed as soon as I set foot over the threshold. Something just wasn't right. As she stood up, she was very deliberate in her movements. One of my major concerns was that I was going to get hurt. I don't know this patient. She may be aggressive. She may even attack me. So these are all concerns. I realized that I, I was definitely in danger. I felt threatened and I ran the hell out of there. I went to the nurse's station and I uh, asked for the charge nurse to find out what the history was on my patient. I told him, listen, the patient got up out of her wheelchair. She was uh, staring at me very intently and she would not take her eyes off me. It's not possible for her to get up or walk. Didn't you read her admission report? He verbalized, are you sure? Because you don't just start walking if you've been paraplegic for 30 years. This woman, to just who's a paraplegic, to suddenly be able to stand up, that's not something that's medically possible. This is someone who potentially really is possessed by something. And although the audio of the elderly woman in that clip was unfit for sharing here on the podcast, I know deep down that you want to know what that sounds like. Well, you know I wouldn't leave you hanging. I managed to find a clip of just such a thing. The following recording was made by a man when he was visiting his girlfriend in a Paris hospital. Next to the girlfriend, possibly even strapped to a gurney, was a woman speaking like this. Bonsoir, Cindy. So possessed, mentally ill, or just a mean-natured person, I cannot say for sure. But I can tell you that the woman was saying things like, Don't worry, you and your guy, your tackiness, the ugly face of your friend, you all gonna die. And several other French obscenities. You can check out the show notes. There's a link there and a full translation. It's there in all its creepiness for you to absorb. So I hope that this collection of calls centered around the medical community lived up to your expectations because that's going to do it for tonight. But before I go, I just wanted to thank our medical workers from security guards all the way up to doctor, whatever the top of that hierarchy is. We see your efforts and we truly appreciate them. And thank you for sharing your stories with us here this evening. Now, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. 
keep the party going by joining our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. There's all kinds of fun stuff posted there. Oh, and there's also the Facebook group. Now, all audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying score that you hear, let's code.he music. And Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for coming back to Season 12. We have some amazing things in store, and I cannot wait to unveil them for you. And until next week. Now, tonight's secret story comes to us from Sarah in Canada. Hi, Derek. This is for your hospital episode. So my name is Sarah, and I'm calling from Canada. Huge fan of the podcast. Got my brother hooked on it. Anyways, let's get on with the story. So this was back in 2009 when the... H1N1, or the swine flu, was sweeping the world. And at that time, I was working with adults who have developmental disabilities. So I was working with a gal who we will call Joanne. And she was early 60s and she had Down syndrome. She was basically nonverbal. She could say a few things. So my name is Sarah. Instead of calling me Sarah, I was Gaga. And you can use your imagination, but she would say she, she, when she had to go to the bathroom, you can probably figure out what that meant. Anyway, so she had a few, you know, words with air quotes around it because it it wasn't English. It was just her way of communicating and, and the people who worked closely with her knew what she meant. So as I said, this was during swine flu and she got sick. Now she was... A fighter. She had an attitude and a personality that was very feisty. So she ended up in the hospital with swine flu and I think she ended up having pneumonia. She was in the hospital for quite a while so every day I would just go to the hospital and sit with her all day long. Anyways, so she would sleep some of the time, she'd be awake some of the time and often when she was awake she would look up into the corner of her hospital room. And because she was nonverbal, she used a lot of hand motions and some sign language. And so she would always look up in the corner and kind of be like, nah, nah, and motion for whatever she saw to come closer. And this happened many, many times. She would just keep motioning and kind of grunting and asking for whatever she saw to come closer. And I know that they say, you know, children and animals are more open to those sorts of things. And so it would make sense in my mind for an adult who has the mental capacity of a child 
to maybe also be open to these things. So one day I said, after she had motioned to the corner and, and grunted and asked for whatever she saw to come closer, I just said to it, I was just like, she just wants to like talk to you. Why don't you come close? And the next thing I know, Joanne is picking up my hand and reaching my hand out to touch whatever it is that she is seeing. I didn't feel anything other than, you know, frightened and sort of weirded out. And then I honestly don't remember if she talked to it again or not, but she seemed happy after she reached my hand out. And um, yeah, so that was just a weird thing that happened. I didn't see anything. I didn't really feel anything other than, you know, I got goosebumps because it was sort of freaky, especially because it was after I asked whatever she saw to come close that she reached out my hand because she had been in there for weeks talking or motioning to this thing in the corner. But only that one time after I talked to whatever she saw, did she like pick up my hand and reach it out to touch whatever she saw. Anyways, that's my story. Love the podcast. Just got a bumper sticker and a t-shirt and couldn't be happier. Although it's probably just coincidence, but within five days of putting the bumper sticker on my van, my van had some major engine issues and it still is unresolved. It's at the shop. Um, It's actually going to be looked at tomorrow. Anyways, don't know if there was a curse on my married men bumper sticker or not. Most likely not. Most likely just coincidence. Just thought it was also an odd little thing. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thank you, Sarah. Now, as Sarah mentioned, we always talk about the concept that animals and children can perhaps see parts of this world that the rest of us cannot. So who is to say those abilities don't extend to those that are childlike? And as fascinating as that concept is to ponder... It pales in comparison to the question of what was it that Joanne was seen in that room? Now, Sarah, I can neither confirm nor deny that any Monsters Among Us decal will lower the value of any vehicle and or render it inoperable. It's entirely possible. But I can confirm not a single Mirrodman victim has ever claimed to have one on their vehicle. Just saying. So thank you again, Sarah, for sharing that entry. Oh, and and real quick, I'm honored to be nominated for Best Paranormal Podcast for this year's Paranormal Podcast Awards presented by Paranormality Radio. But I need your help to win. If you enjoy Monsters Among Us, please take a moment to head over to Paranormality Radio. Click on the black rectangle that says Paranormal Podcast Awards Voting and cast your vote for MAU under Best Paranormal Podcast. Now voting ends September 30th, and I appreciate your support so much. Alright folks, it's going to do it for this evening. Thanks for sticking around for the bonus story, and I'll catch you guys next week. 